0: It's HBR, all things considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence, wrapping up our latest Off the Road, celebrating the second anniversary of our interview series, found at hawaiipublicradio.org slash offtheroad, and where you get podcasts. And that includes day one, where the guitarist icons like Jeff Beck, Pat Metheny, and Steve Morse have all called the very best there is. John McLaughlin, who returns for his third appearance on the series with Montreux Years, a compilation from decades of performances at the legendary Swiss festival. Right now, we're hearing the 1987 recording of Florianopolis, featuring the late Paco Di Lucia. It's the return of John McLaughlin on HPR's Off the Road. People Google and check out the Montreux Jazz Fest website. You can see a lot of John's gigs through the years. Then you can see other people who were on the bill throughout the years at different times. One band we've never talked about they played at Montreux and that was Led Zeppelin. Do you have any connections with those musicians, that band, any stories?
1: Oh yeah, we go back long before Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy, I met Jimmy, I must've been 19 or 20 and he would be 18. Wow. Yeah, and we were living in this suburb of, of London, south of London, and I showed him one or two things on the guitar, you know, I never taught him guitar. I was learning myself. he was very cool and very sweet guy we subsequently met years later when we both became studio sharks from like the mid-60s there was this explosion in the pop industry the beatles they ignited it stones and all those english bands who were making it big in america right if you could read music You'd be busy from 9 a.m. till 9 p.m.
0: As a session you know, musician.
1: This this, yeah. And Jimmy, we would run into each other. And then I was in a band, kind of a soul R&B band, with a singer called Herbie Goins and the Nighttimers. I was a night timer. Anyway, <laughs> the bass player was John Paul Jones. Oh, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, we were neighbors. So we, we started to hang out, and then I was helping him with some of the harmonic things, but it was very cool. John Bonham, I never met. Uh, wow. Robert Plant, I never met either. But we met up once in LA when Zeppelin, they had a concert there. John Paul called me and he said, so why don't you come to the concert? So I went to the concert.
0: What year is this but, approximately?
1: Oh man, no, now you, now you got me.
0: LA Forum, big venue?
1: Yes, I think so. Okay. Yeah, it was a big it was, a, it was a big audience. It must have been somewhere like mid 70s
0: when they were huge.
1: Oh they were huge. Yeah, yeah I mean they were selling millions of records.
0: When you look at the Montreux website, you realize how long you have been a part of it. In 2016, you performed there with the Fourth Dimension Band, but it also looks like one of your many times playing there with Carlos Santana. Maybe that's an association that I don't think we've ever talked about. And you know he has a house here, so that's a real good one for our local audience.
1: Yeah, I know. Actually, we've been in very close touch the last week. Oh, really? And of course, I know Cindy, his wife, very well. Right.
0: You played on her new record. A long
1: time. Yes. Yes. And we've jammed there. Uh, we've jammed in california we've jammed in montreal but we've been in touch in the last week because i have a piece i want to record with him and cindy wow i just sent him an mp3 and and so we're going for it so but you know he just came out of covid he's testing negative now but
0: and he had heart surgery uh, too
1: oh i didn't know that yeah yeah heart surgery yeah oh my
0: yeah He did, so. But he
1: came out of it good.
0: Yes, he is coming out of it. So fingers crossed. And I was just thinking about, like, because you also played here with him. If I'm not mistaken, it was 1973. You played here at the Blaze, though. But when you think back, when did you first run into the cat?
1: Well, physically, I think was the first time we played in California, and we played in LA. We finished the gig and come backstage, was Carlos Santana. I said, "Wow." And in fact, we had a number of concerts and he came to all of them.
0: As a fan, you hadn't played Yeah, together just, yet.
1: you know, he loved the music. Huh. And I was really happy to see him because, you know, I mean, Santana already, he was a w- already well known. And especially what he did in uh, Woodstock, the Woodstock concert, that really just opened the world up for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, in any event, we got pretty tight because don't forget, I was deep into my spiritual trip at that time. Sri right? Chinmoy. Yeah. I'm still deep into my trip, but I don't follow his particular way, which I haven't since 75. And
0: you shared Many that events. with Santana too.
1: Well, yes. I mean, he became very, very interested in what I was involved with. And he he actually participated at a certain point. But before that, we'd become really good friends, talking about the deeper things of, of life and, and music. And one night, I was back in New York and I had, a—I dreamt about him. And I dreamt, we were playing together. And so I called Clive Davis the next day, who was, who was the boss of, of CBS at that time. Yeah. And I said, you know, Clive, I had this amazing dream. Me and Carl were playing. He said, let's do it, let's do it. Whoa. So, so, so we did.
0: Love, devotion, and, surrender. This is it. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's what we did. And then we hit the road. We did concerts. Right. But, of course, over the years, we run into each other, we talk to each other, we write to each other. And just very recently, as you know, I recorded on Cindy's album. Mm-hmm. She and I, we go by, I don't know how many years either, 30 years at least, I think. But I've got this piece, and so they're real excited that we do something together, and so am I, because there's something happens when Carlos and I play together. Oh, yeah. There's something happens, you know, and Cindy... She can boogaloo those drums. And already it's like, well, should we make an album? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, so, uh, you know, we will see. We will see. I mean... You know about the demise of the record industry. But it's a whole new world out there now. You have to think carefully. If you're going to make an album, you know, are you going to break even? Right. It's that precarious now.
0: Did you ever connect with Lenny Kravitz? Is that where you first saw her?
1: No, I met Sandy through Wallace. Wallace Roney. Oh,
0: the 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 music player. Yeah, who just passed from COVID, actually.
1: Yes. Yeah. I heard a play. It's this girl is swinging. Wow, you know?
0: This is before Kravitz then, basically.
1: Oh, yeah. You're talking to, you're talking to an old fellow here, Dave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, my favorite of all these jams is that tribute that you did to, uh, to Paco.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to get the two of us together, because that was one tour we did as a duo. I'm really happy we made a stop in Montreux because... Claude recorded it, and, um, and we've got it on the album.
0: And the thing about Paco that's worth mentioning, too, because we're talking about other people who have been part of your life at that Montreux over the years, this new Montreux years collection from John. Another cat that you played with Paco there, and that was with Al, Al Miola. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about some of the challenges making dough during the pandemic for touring performers. Have you heard how Al's been making money? No. Al does these dinners at his house with his wife, yeah? So they'll have... A fan can spend five grand, ten grand. I don't know how many thousands of dollars they spend to do this, but a fan will buy a night at Al's house. Al, as you know, loves to cook. So Al gets in the kitchen and you get to spend Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, you spend time drinking wine with Al. He cooks you a dinner then you talk to him you can kind of interview him then after the dinner he takes you up in his studio and he plays guitar for you it's like he's using it as an alternate source of income <laughs> during the and during the pandemic of all times which is wild i guess he tests the people before they come i don't know the the little ins and outs what a wild idea
1: yeah that's pretty wild i like to cook too
0: what is, what do you like uh, to cook
1: well complete vegetarian so we go indian
0: alu gobi do you make alu gobi
1: alu gobi oh yeah alu gobi this all all kind
0: <laughs> well What you got to do is you call up al and you say you know i just heard the craziest story (laughs) say i was talking to this dude in hawaii dave lawrence that i talk to sometimes and he told me that you're just making a truckload of dough and improving your cooking skills and sharing some of your music with people
1: But why not? I mean, that's that's, that's a very interesting proposition, isn't it? (laughs) Why not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Our dear friend, the great John McLaughlin, the Montreux. Oh, thank you,
1: Dave. Did you have fun today? I always have fun with you, Dave. (laughs) No, 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 because because you know your music is... You're getting up there, so you know your history.
0: Appreciate it, man. (laughs)
1: I'm way ahead of you. I'm way ahead of you. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) We're so grateful to still have you, brother. Yeah, you
1: too, brother. You too.
0: You You take care. And uh, love and blessings, man. Thank you, John. You're a wonderful cat. Giving you big hugs and lots of gratitude. I'm
1: giving you right back, yeah. Thank you, right back, Dave.
0: Bless you, brother. Stay safe. Yes,
1: blessings, Dave.